what can you control and not control, that's the only thing for the most part that you are 100% in control of, how you perceive what is happening to you. I could have been like, oh, woe is me. I got into an accident on the, and, the, and that was the, I was having everything going good for me. And all of a sudden now life is about to be changed. Or, da, da, da. or you can change your perspective of, oh, everybody get to see what I've been preaching. I can actually walk and preach myself through. I'm coaching myself. Listen, I don't got my leg fully back capable. I don't got my hand, but at least you're alive. Like I'm the things that I give to people and preach to people, they can see that I'm not, I'm walking with, I'm preaching. I always say we got all these personal development, life coaches and stuff like that. I want to see them right now be able to go through something and you you getting to witness it. We, we hearing what they told us. For me, right now, in this moment, people getting to watch me what I've been telling people this whole time. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash ed talks and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks original audio shows news comedy and more from the leading audiobook publishers broadcasters and entertainers so download a free trial today and start listening it's that easy just go to audibletrial.com forward slash ed talks Hello, powerful people. My name is Edouard Gilles, personal development speaker and talk show host. And I want to welcome you to this holistic experience called Ed Talks Daily Personal Development and Motivation. This podcast is all about growth in all aspects of your life. How do you solidify a great mindset that will lead to a healthy body, healthy relationships, and an in-tune spirit? Well, join me on this journey to becoming the best version of ourselves. If you want a podcast that you can relate to, podcast that will motivate and inspire you all while educating you on ways to person develop and grow as a being ed talks daily is for you find ed talks daily on your favorite podcast app and be sure to leave your thoughts in the form of a review or tune in live every monday at 12 p.m by visiting fauradio.com How's it going, powerful people? My name is Edward Giles, and today I have the absolute pleasure of having a holistic conversation uh, with a like-minded individual that I recently met. His name is Reginald Howard. He's not only a mental health advocate, but he's a writer, speaker, and just overall positive person empowering our community. Um, and one thing I don't do here on the Ed Talk podcast is give a formal introduction. I always love to ask my de- guests to introduce themselves. So, Reginald, how you doing today? I'm good, sir. I just want to thank you for having me on, man. It's a pleasure to have the opportunity to uh, speak to your audience. Yeah. Thank you for being here. I say that we are vessels to uh, the conductor and distributors of energies, and we have to use what's in our mind and our experiences to share the energy of the world. So thank you for doing that. You know, I wanted to come to have a, a conversation about what you do. So why don't you tell us, give us a quick introduction about you and 
what you do, what you stand for? You know, these these uh, questions, um, they make me feel awkward because, you know, it feel like you're bragging. And I never am one to brag. Even when I go to, like, a networking event or, like, you know, different gatherings, people are like, well, tell them what you do. Tell them you got a book. And, you know, and I understand what, what people are saying, but it just makes me feel uncomfortable. It's like, oh, I got this, I got that. But um, I'm a mental health advocate at its core. And overall, I just really like helping people and serving people. Like, I really love the fact of someone having a problem and you're having, you having the ability to help them solve it. And it, it just gives me a good feeling at the end of the day. And I'm just so excited to, like, just see people live their dreams and, you know, help them understand their problems. So um, I created different mediums and platforms to do that in certain ways. Like, I got my Black Mental Health Podcast where I bring people on. And they share therapeutic stories and hopes that other people who are feeling alone, who are feeling like there's no one out there that understand them, they can have an outlet or a resource that can show that they are um, not alone in their journey. I also have my um, newly published book um, called Suffering Into Success, uh, a paradigm shift of struggle so that you can achieve happiness. And that's basically a book about how everybody wants success, but then no, nobody wants to struggle. It takes nine months for a baby to be uh, formed and formulated, um, planting seeds to get fruits. And, you know, everybody wants that end result, but no one wants to go through the trials and trials, anything that you have to go through to get, get there. Um, and people just think you just pop up. And I know for yourself, you probably understand that it's so much stuff you had to been through and learn and, and, and get through to get to the point where you're at today. So it's just everybody want, needs to know to embrace their story and embrace what they're going through because ultimately at the end of the day, what you're trying to achieve and attain in that, in that, out, in that outcome is what really is what you should be focused on. So I got my book. I got the podcast. I started Mental Clarity Coaching where I help individuals with personal development. I help them with, um, you know, getting that clarity and understanding of what they're trying to do in life and just, you know, being that wall that, people need sometimes to bounce ideas off and bounce um, what they want to do off their dreams, their goals and aspirations. Um, I speak to kids in colleges and hopefully corporate America soon about mental health and incorporating mental health into different programs. While you, while you at work, while you at school, while you in college and you're going through them trials and tribulations, speaking, coaching, podcast, author, just finding different ways to help my community, especially the African American, um, African American men, because, I feel like we don't we get the bag stick of everything because there's no one out here defending us being the good people that um that's out there. They they, they say that the the squeakiest will gets the the most attention. Where it's like it's a bunch. Father's Day is coming up, and there's a bunch of fathers who are out there doing what they're supposed to do. They're not cheating on their wives, but it's a time that they highlight the men that aren't doing good. So I just try to speak that that positive um position and of the black man and you know just trying to fix our community and just do my part so that way we can have a beautiful outcome hope it wasn't too long <laughs> no definitely not too long i think everything that you're doing is amazing and is well needed right now in our society i i see mental health and the profession of being a mental health advocate a therapist motivational speaker whatever sort of coaching or teaching or empowering that you can do that can really help a lot of people. You know, I wanted to backtrack. We, we really discuss a lot about, you know, what you do, you know, what, 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 what's in your heart, but what is the deep reason that you want to do all of this? I know you told me 
that one reason is that you want to, you like to see people, you like to have impact, but what is your why? Why are you doing all this? My why has many different levels to it. At, 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 at its essence, my why is I want to leave a legacy behind and I want, I just want to leave the world better than I found it. And I feel like you are wasting your gifts, your talents, if you're not using them to impact others' lives. And you're supposed to be able to help people in your own way. If you're the best bus driver, you're the best, just being the best you and being the best that you can be and, and, and you're doing your part, you're contributing to making the world better. And, and at my core, that's the, the reason that I do what I do because I literally, genuinely can, will, I, if I never got a dime for doing it, love helping and having conversations with people. When I had my first son, is the that was the the motivator that was like oh i need to really go out here and do something and do an impact because not only do i gotta provide for him i have to provide for his mother his my fiance like you know just just being having that that uh responsibility that i, I honestly and it's no no gripes against other men that a lot of men run from they, they they're afraid to step up and be fathers they're afraid to step up and be faithful husbands and is and a lot of it just comes from the fact that no one gave them the tools. But also the other part is the tools are out there, but you just got to be ready to receive them. They they say that the teacher comes when the student is ready. So if, when you're ready to actually step up and be a father, step up and be a, a husband, step up and be a man, like the the opportunities are there. And I just want to be that overall, uh, you know, figure that men could feel like, oh, he represents us, and women look to men to model themselves after. Like, I never want to be that guy that come on here and bash men, because I love my brothers. We just have, we're just going through a lot of things mentally, and people look at it as, we don't know what we're doing. But I love my brothers, and I love, just like I love my sisters, and, and helping them. So at the core, to answer your question is, I really get a, a satisfaction at helping people, and I want to leave a legacy that, one that my great-grandchildren -grand will be proud of. I want to have legacy, generational impact. Mm, I, I like what you just said, generational impact, uh, like using, being the father of your gift and sharing that with the children of the world, as well as doing it within yourself as well and your own family within the relationship with your own son. So that's really, it's, it's a powerful analogy, you know, how we treat the how we treat the women in society, how we treat the kids in society, whatever we, what we're doing in society is the reflection of what's going on inside and in our home. And you said that black men, um, you know, are suffering or maybe transferring some pain on into their relationships. Tell me about a time that you know you were on the other side of. Uh, I mean, before we do that, what is your ideal? vision or version of a father that is a role model how does that father look like <laughs> i'm glad you asked that question in the way that you asked it because um i always have a problem with certain people um and i'll matter of fact i'll use a personal example a lot of people look at my best friend and they want him to be like me and it's a reason why we're best friends because he values some things in me and i value some things in him and he would go through things in his relationships and they'll they'll want him to respond like me. And I'm like, that's unfair because you're not giving him the chance to be the best him when you keep comparing him to me. And what I'm doing is like he is being his best self. And that's why I love him to death, because 
he is doing the best that he can do. And I feel like a lot of that 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 child support that 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 men ain't nothing and men are this, it's a lot of bashing because we have this certain standard of what a man should be. There are certain qualities that a man should have, but overall as a person, we are individuals and it's no one idealistic type of man. It's different men who do things that make them men, but there you can't it's like no snowflake is the same, no leaf. Like is as long as they're still leaf at the end of the day, it doesn't take away if one doesn't have this quality or another. So to answer your question, every idealistic man is when you're being your best self. That's the idealistic version of being a man. Mm, being your best self. So then you're saying that the the true underlying factor is not whether you're a good father or a good black man or whatever type of man is is going back and saying, are you your best self? So what is does it mean to be your best self? What does that person look like? And 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 that's that. I'm glad you again. I'm glad that you're asking them in the in the proper manner because. I feel like if you're ultimately being your best self, you'll be the best father. You'll be the best husband. You'll be that best person because you are doing the things that you know you should be doing and you're doing the things that make you happy. And that's what all that matters at the end of the day. I feel like when you are in that, when you are operating in who you're supposed to be, then you are your best self. I can't tell you what another man's best self is because I don't know what he, what makes him happy. I don't. I, I can't go into his mind. I know what makes me happy and what I want to do, but I can't tell you what another person, and that, is, that doesn't even just apply to men. That applies to individuals. I can't tell you what the best person looks like because it, it it's all individual basis, and, and, and it's how you perceive yourself. At the end of the day, you got to look yourself in the mirror, What not what I think of you. You got to be able to be comfortable, confident, and happy with who you are. Mm. That's interesting. I had a philosophical thought earlier and I was thinking this one thought and it's basically when we have our vision of who we are basically what we're trying to do then is bridge the gap between what people know you as Mm -hmm. and what you actually are there is no really gap of becoming this person it's a gap of convincing other people that you're this person like you said you have this desire to help people through what you're doing through the work through your podcast through your book through your speaking However, you know, the world didn't look at Reggie and say, okay, this guy is, has all this inside of him. You have to put it out there to allow people to to see that, to understand the essence of your being. Um, and I know that's something that you do. I, and I don't want to cut you off because you, you touched on something so key. When I was a younger, when I was younger, um, and I was trying, like high school, trying to, um, you know, fit in, in a sense. I didn't get nothing what I want. I didn't get the girls that I want. The men didn't respect me the way I wanted them to. Um, you know, it was just all this over stuff. Like I would try to do things that I thought that people made that made people happy. <clears throat> Once I started really operating into the things that made me happy in some magical way, everybody, the girls started looking at you a little differently. The guys like, yo, I respect what you're doing. Like you being like, I, I don't know what you, I love what you're doing. It's just like when you're operating with and who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing, everybody else starts to recognize it and they start to embrace it and it ultimately gets the thing it gets you the things that you wanted to seek out in the first place. Mm. So you're saying authenticity is the best communication? A hundred percent. That people always ask me like, how do you like 
I'm always speaking from a real place. Like this is, I don't have to rehearse this. I'll say the same answer to you tomorrow. It'll always be the same because I'm being my realistic self. I'm not ashamed of my past. I'm not ashamed of what I've been through because it's authentically what made me who I am. So I love being the real me because I don't have to hide nothing. And when you're not hiding nothing, no one can use nothing against you. So being authentic, let's talk about that. You know, you know, there's a mental health stigma, uh, like people can't re- are not expressing themselves, expressing what's going on with their lives. Uh, the question or the answer to the question, how are you doing is I'm OK, which is just to, OK, get you out my face. Right. So how important is it to share your true authenticity and who you are and how does that help with your mental wellness? You know, I'm uh, that question is so deep because when I I'm the I'm the guy that likes to check up on people. So when I when I talk to certain people, they'll tell me I like how you doing. They're like I'm okay, and and I'm not asking about your job. I'm not asking about your kids. I'm not asking about your relationship. I'm literally checking on the person being, um, because sometimes all it takes is for you to ask. And sometimes, or most of the time, no one really cares about what you're going through. So no one takes the time out to genuinely ask, like, yo, I just, I feel some type of way. And like, you know, sometimes the stuff just building up. And all you want sometimes is just somebody to really just like ask you and you can get it off your chest. You don't need advice. You don't need um, therapy. You don't need like, answers you just want to get relieve that pressure and relieve those feelings that are building up and just um it allows you to be vulnerable and real and i want to dive into your question it helps you be your authentic self because now you're being who you how you truly feel and who you truly are is starting to reveal itself because now you're we all put on that face like we superhuman and we got to especially with social media we got to have this perfect picture and of who we are and it's like Sometimes like, man, I'm broke this week and it's stressing me out. Or um I'm yo, I don't know how my next meal's gonna come in or you know, are the little things we go through, but when you could be real vulnerable and honest and you know people not gonna judge you and it's not a popularity contest or whatever, you can be your real self because now you get to express yourself the way you are. That's that's true. Sometimes when you even mention that question, people don't always feel open to be able to do that. You know, so how have you been able to, I know you say you check up on your friends, which means that you are most likely going to check up on most people if you feel like it's necessary or if it, I'm not going to say what you're going to do, but mm-hmm. I'm guessing that continues on. How do you foster those conversations within your own circle? Like, what are some words? How can you get people to open up? How do you do that through your coaching? Honestly, uh, the way I do it is being honestly listening if you look at uh i want to say 90 if you just people watch and you watch certain conversations both people are just talking and no one's listening so they're talking past each other even when i scroll on social media for people that i'm not close to you can see people hurting and no and we'll just scroll past that and we won't say like i literally if i was to see you post something and say like i'm stressed out right now my first thing would be to dm you and say like um, yo, you everything good? Like, you, are you stressed? Like, I mean, not, is there anything I could do on my end to help out? You know, what's going on? Like, just checking in on the person. And it's so simple, and it, or it may seem so simple, but half of the people are not doing it. And they say, I think, I, I don't, I'm not sure about the percentages offhand, but I feel like it's 
they said 90 uh, 90% of communication is listening and nobody is genuinely listening and mind you I literally have fun listening and um, and trying to understand because I'm a, a a researcher by nature like I like to look things up so when you sit there and want to really study people and I literally try to understand the world I I when I'm talking to people I'm listening I'm I'm shaking my head I'm not thinking about what I'm about to say to compute with or combat what they just said I'm literally just going through every single thing that they're saying and following and and this asking deeper question like well what do you mean when you said that or I can understand how you feel about that but what do you think about this or you ever think about it like this just genuinely just letting them work through their thoughts and trying to understand because nine times out of ten the average person is just over talking the person and they're not genuinely trying to understand and listen to what that person is saying. Like I was listening to you talk now and I'm really listening. You know, mm. at the same time, I have to come up with the next question. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not thinking about the question as much as I'm hearing your words mm-hmm. following up on what you just said. Mm-hmm. Curious. So communication is out of curiosity, wanting to learn more about the subject, the person and their experience. So when we do this as podcasters, we're communicating with each other and also the audience. An important communication that I find is communicating with yourself, monitoring the inner conversation going in within your head. Mm-hmm. Like, now, what do you think about communicating with yourself? How, like, what is that, and how can people do it from your um, perspective? Um, for me, I communicate with myself a lot. And back when I was younger, I thought it was like you, almost like you're crazy when you start to like have good. When you, when you start to have self talk. But what they don't tell you is positive self-talk is good. It makes you feel good. Positive self-talk, just speaking positivity in your life is overall good. When I'm meditating, I'm just working through my thoughts. I'm sitting, I'm having quiet time, allowing my thoughts to just roam free and just, you know, not getting into the hustle and bustle of life. When I'm journaling, I get to work through my thoughts and, you know, expound on thoughts that I thought didn't really mean nothing, but it really is having an effect on me. Or just having conversations like this, I'm very. I feel like I have a lot of genuine connections with people or a genuine relationship because I really like to communicate my thoughts. And people like to be around people who, like you just said earlier, are authentically themselves. And when you're having them, that when when you can positively communicate with yourself, it shows, and you what you do on the inside protrudes outward, and people want to be around that. So I have a lot of inner self talk because I'm always thinking about. Um, how to be more positive, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, and since we're on that topic, I put a quote up that said, self-care without self-communication is meaningless. But what I meant is that you can't help someone that you don't talk to. So (laughs) (laughs) self-talk helps self-care. Now, when we get into self-care, you know, it's a buzzword you hear it all Mm -hmm. the time. But it's actually very important. What is the definition of self-care and what does that consist of? <laughs> so last year, in the beginning of 2018, I uh, I got off of social media. I got off of everything. I wanted to really spend some alone time with myself, what I wanted to do in this world, what I wanted to think about, you know, just really just working through my thoughts. And the quote, I wish I can go and dig it up real quick. Um it was like, um, you can have positive selflessness. And it, what it mean by that is taking care of you so that way you can be, have the, the positive energy 
you need to take care of others. And I thought being able to worry about yourself and take care of yourself was kind of bad because it's like, not only am I worried about my relationship, I'm not, not only am I worried about my children, I have to worry about me first for those other things to flourish. If I don't worry about me, then those things, if I'm not good, then all those things fall apart. If I'm good and healthy, mentally, spiritually, physically, then I can provide, I can, you know, I can give value. If you're not good in any of those areas or if any of those areas are lacking, then you're not going to be, it's going to show. Like it's going to show weeds or grow, or you can grow weeds or you can grow plants. But people will start to feel it when, you, when you're growing weeds. So um, I forgot what the question was, but I do a lot of oh, self-care. I do a lot of like worrying about myself in a sense of if I'm good, then I, because I know who I am, I'll make sure the people around me being good because I'm doing what I need to do for me. That makes sense because like I went through that where I'm not good and I was trying to help everyone else and it was just not helping me, right? Mm -hmm. So being good, having a proper mental state, having balance, having um, a state of equilibrium, what does that look like? What does it look like in a person like me? How would I know? You know, it's, it's different, but how would I know that, you know, I'm kind of good? What are some of the triggers that shows me that I'm okay right now? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I, I guess for me, it's, so it's twofold answer, and I'll say when you when when everything when when you have stress when things that used to stress you out don't stress you out as much because you're doing a lot of self positive reflection it shows it'll protrude itself out but um for me and, and as an individual out on December 27th last year I got into a car accident um I had I'm in physical therapy now um a car ran a red light and T-boned me across the intersection. So I messed my leg up where it was an open um, fracture. I messed my hand up. And so I'm going through physical therapy and, and, and um, occupational therapy to get my functionality back. And for me, every little bit of life counts to me now. The things that I used to take for granted, the moments that I didn't cherish, the me, even you and me talking at this moment, being grateful for the opportunity, I am even grateful for just being able to be here. So I was talking to my father the other day, um, and we were just talking about not many people get to face or kiss death. And what he meant by that was be so close to it that you start to appreciate life more. And I felt that to the point where because of my accident, I am so grateful for everything, grass, light, sun, being able to eat, woke up in my right mind, being able to walk. We take for granted for be the, the fact that we are able to get up and walk before uh, being in a wheelchair or being on crutches or being in a walker. It, it You just so used to being able to get up breathing, being able to like, you know, see. I was just messed up. So now for me, how you know when it's positive because I'm so grateful that of everything and I'm and, and it just gives me a positive outlook because my 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 fiance could not want to be with me. You could say like I right, I'm not recognizing what this kid is doing and I don't want him on my show or just anything. So you just for me I become so grateful of the opportunity to live and I feel like a lot of people take that opportunity to live for granted.
I think that's the perfect answer. Gratitude is the cure all. Well, having a high sense of gratitude is proven to scientifically up level your happiness because you're just gracious for everything that you have. Everything. Just, yeah, everything. Like every single moment. And one thing that I practice personally is when there is something that is causing a level of frustration for me. I have to get to a state of gratitude. I have to find something exactly at that moment to be grateful for. Um, a current, a current occurrence for me is like missing the train. I commute really like from city for two cities to city, so I sometimes take the train. And sometimes when I do miss it, um, I always think this one question: Can I change it or can I not? And I just realize that I cannot change it. Um, you know. And that I just I'm able to calm down myself and understand that I I'm grateful that another one will come in the next forty minutes, mm-hmm. you know. So understanding the things you can change and the things that you cannot change. What's your take on that? How because like a lot of people worry about politics, worry about what's going to happen, they worry about a lot of things. Um, but what do you think about taking out some time to figure out what? you can change on what you can <laughs> for me it honestly bro it, it literally is the fact that it could have been worse uh. and 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 the same thing like i oh last year was the best year of my life i tell everybody that um i was able to put my podcast out um and to go back to your other question and i'll get back to this one um it wasn't until i shut down everything and was like, I'm going to focus on me, that my book came out, my podcast came out, I started speaking. So when I was self-caring for me, I got to do all the things that made me happy, going into your, your, your question you asked earlier. So all of that stuff happened when I started taking care of myself. Um, and to answer the question you asked now, it, bro, in that accident, man, I could have came out with my brain shook up and not being in my right state of mind. I could have came out as a handicapped person, and I I felt like that for the longest because I didn't have use of my limbs. I could have came out with a missing limb. I could have came out with so many things wrong with me, and the fact that I'm still being able to sit here and talk to you and have this conversation, I am so grateful for that. So every little thing that goes wrong, I got a flat tire yesterday. At least I didn't lose my car. Um. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I just look at every single thing, or the, uh, just you know, just every little thing that could annoy you. My son, my son is annoying me. He's getting on my nerves. At least you have a son. He's living. He's breathing. He's healthy. I always think of the worst, and then when you're thinking of the worst thing that could happen, even with business deals or interviews or stuff that I want to happen that didn't, it's like yo, you getting mad at. And another thing that works for me is the fact that my family heritage, um. It comes from, my, my mom is from Antigua, island of Antigua and Barbuda. And once you see people who don't have as much as you have, I have two cars, they have zero, but they're way more happier than I am. And I'm complaining. And that's what they call about first world problems. It's almost like you forget that all of these things are not guaranteed or people don't have to give you that or you don't have to do this thing or you don't have to be here. So when you put everything in perspective of it could be worse, everything above it could be worse you're grateful for it wow and you know i guess the question that you ask yourself after the space of gratitude is that what can i do to make this better that's it 
um, you know, it can be worse, but what can I do to make this better? And a lot of times the answer that I find is that I have to have a better mental outlook. That's because it. no matter how bad something is, you can always have a better picture of what it is through your through your thoughts, painting that mental positive picture. Um, and, and what what is your take on thoughts and its importance and its importance of directing your thoughts? Oh, your thoughts. Um, to answer your question though, with the the thinking, um, what can you control and not control? That's the only thing for the most part that you are a hundred percent in control of how you perceive what is happening to you. I could have been like, Oh, woe is me. I got into an accident on the, and, the, and that was the, I was having everything going good for me. And all of a sudden now life is about to be changed or da, da, da. or you can change your perspective of, Oh, everybody get to see what I've been preaching. I can actually walk and preach myself through. I'm coaching myself. Listen, I don't got my leg fully back capable. I don't got my hand, but at least you're alive. Like I'm the things that I give to people and preach to people, they can see that I'm not, I'm walking with, I'm preaching. I always say we got all these personal development, life coaches and stuff like that. I want to see them right now, be able to go through something and you, you getting to witness it. We, we hearing what they told us. For me, right now, in this moment, people getting to watch me, what I've been telling people this whole time. So people getting to see it. Um, and as far as your thoughts, that is it. I'm, you change your thinking, everything else changed. The worst thing that I tried to do in my relationship with my girl was I was, I was, I was doing personal development. And I was trying to get her to do it with me. And I'm like, this is what the book says. This is what this says. This is what you should be doing. And it was like, yo, you're getting on my nerves. Like, I don't want to do that. And it wasn't until I started to change me and change my thinking and change the way I do that, the, the way I do things, she started to change. So I changed my thinking. It all started for how I used to think. And once you change your thinking, yo, I promise you, <laughs> and I wrote about it in my book, once you change your thinking, Everything else changes. I, I and I can I'll bet a million dollars on that day if you if you change your thinking, and, and it's the easiest thing you can start with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the outlook changes immediately. The outcome may take some time, mm-hmm. but the outlook is just immediately transformed just with the thought process. And you know what you said earlier about your girlfriend. You said that you was learning all these things, but you couldn't just oh here take the take this salad let me stuff my ideology that i mm-hmm. just acquired down your throat you just have to eat the salad and you showing up to breakfast and you just shining looking bright mm-hmm. and you're like what you doing with your life <laughs> like let me get that recipe so what you just said is so empowering and i want to direct this to other speakers other people seeking for personal development which i find that people seek a lot of people who are listening to podcasts and shows are looking to be what we are or looking to be what which what we're becoming or what mm-hmm. we are excelling at. Um so this is directed to those people as well as everybody. And that answer is you don't have to become anything differently. You just have to overcome the things right now, right? And in overcoming these things, you will learn all the lessons to be what you were initially in the first place. And that's that person who had that desire to to learn, to grow, to become to, to become that thing. And at times, we're like diminishing our value because maybe our life result is not 
maybe we're not a millionaire yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and personally, I was at a point where I didn't even know if I wanted to coach people because I was not a millionaire. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I didn't, I didn't even realize I had that subconscious mindset um, until like a couple, like a beginning, I would say until like the middle of last year, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize it. I was like, wait a minute. But then I thought about it. I was like, I don't need to help people make a million dollars. Not yet. Maybe that's in the future. But right now, I just need people to understand their value. I need people to understand their emotions, understand their body, understand their health, give them some practices on, you know, how to meditate and all these different things. And then at the same time, I need to go through my own process and figure out the formula for myself. Like I say that our lives is creating the formula. We're trying mm-hmm. to find the formula for success, but when we've acquired the mentality, our lives basically create a new formula. Mm. You know, I just wanted to share that w- with the people listening. But you know, to get back into you, I want to know more about your book. Like, what is what are the topics on there? What is the vision and the mission of the book? And just give me, uh, I would say, a a quick YouTube review. <laughs> <laughs> so. The book is called, again, Suffering into Success, uh, A Paradigm Shift of Struggle so that you can achieve happiness. It's on Amazon. It's on my website, ReginaldEHoward.com. But it was basically a concept that has been around for years, centuries, lifetime, and it'll always be here. But it's, it, I, I actually recognize that it's a, it's a it's an actual concept. It, I don't think nobody ever coined it into an actual phrase, a thing. And it's basically the, the point of, like, everybody wants that thing. They want to get to that place of, like, happiness but they don't want to go through the the struggle to get there and especially with us talking about mental health for you to ultimately get to your happiest self you have to do some healing and with healing comes some some scarring some tissue like it comes with some stuff that you're gonna have to dig deep and unravel and um for me it basically started off when i was just studying entrepreneurs and it was like wait so every entrepreneur most of them they had to go through some things to be successful it's um if you want to get that body you want, you got to go to the gym. If you want that good home-cooked meal, you got to go, like, uh, get through the oven and heating up and preparing and washing the dishes and all of that stuff. It's so many things, it's like, that you got to go through. And I look at it like almost like a caterpillar going in its cocoon to become a butterfly or the, the, the piece of t- the diamond. A diamond starts off at a piece of coal. It is a, it's a rock, a black rock. It has to go through some heat, some pressure, some mining in order to get to that diamond. And I look at that as our life. Like, as our life, we have to go through some heat, some pressure, some mining before we can get to our true selves, our best selves. And people don't want to go through all that because they, they're they afraid or they're scared or they, they the pain that you got to go through. So for me, I'm like, embrace it because the, the goal at the end of it should be enough for you to want to go through that little if they told you on the other side of that fire and you won't die but all you gotta do is run through that fire you'll get a million dollars i don't even know if people would take that opportunity because they're so scared of getting hurt if they told you they guaranteed you couldn't get hurt it's like i don't know it's the same thing like except the version of except the pain and struggle that you need to go through because you know at the end of it you'll be your best self wow Pain is a gift. Yes. It is a, a awesome gift that only the the people with the right mindset would say is a gift. Everyone else would say it's cold. You know how Christmas mm. 
Santa Claus either gives you a present or a coal. Mm-hmm. Uh, people with bad mindset sees pain as as a coal, but people with the growth mindset sees pain as gold and as a gift, mm-hmm. the, the gift of pain. Uh, I'm also writing a book, haven't came out yet, called Growth Through the Pain, so I can definitely relate to what you're <laughs> talking about. But I wanted to ask you, what are some specific, I know you told me the obstacle about your accident. Mm. What are some other obstacles that you thought at the time was maybe unbearable, was hot, was the fire in your life that you had to fight your way through? Um, The one I, I, I don't talk about as much as I would like to is I always tell people the, the end, the end process of what happened with my father Um, as far as us working our relationship and we got to a place of being on uh, being together and we, we we building a relationship um but i never talk about how much the struggle was the journey was how painful it was my father and my mother separated when i was 2 i'm 28 and i never had a genuine relationship with him and for years i hated him cuz i'm like why aren't you here like you that typical story that a lot of people know of and can relate to of like I don't like him. My mom, you left my mom. You hurt my mom. You're not there. But as I grew into a man, as I started to have children, as I, as I, as I started to have my son, my first son, I was like, all right, this thing ain't ain't, ain't as cracked up as cracked up to be. Whereas I don't know how to be a dad. So I'm 2021, 20, the same age my father started having my his kids. Maybe I should try to understand his perspective because I would want somebody to give me that same courtesy because I'm I'm not where I want to be as far as a man. So I had to do some, I had to forgive him so that way I can forgive myself as a man. And I reached out to him and I heard his story and I don't agree with everything. And I, it's still hurtful, but I kind of had to see if I was going to either fight for that relationship or fight for that childhood. And I'm not a kid anymore and he can't take me to the park and throw the ball with me and I mean he could but I don't want to but he can't do those little kid things that I would want him to do anymore but he can so I had to stop fighting for the kid and fought for the relationship and we're working and we're building on that but that was something that was uh, emotionally draining because I, I remember talking to him crying in a park one day when we first started getting connected um, about a bike that he never brought up for me for Christmas he, we, I opened he lived in North Carolina I lived in Philadelphia and he and we, I went down there for Christmas. He he got me a bike, and he was like, "All right, I'm taking y'all back to your mom." I'm like, "What about my my but my bike?" He was like, "I'm gonna bring it up next weekend." I never got that bike, but I didn't know it was still emotionally impacted me at 21 when he was supposed to do that at 12. So while we're talking and trying to figure out where the relationship went wrong or what we doing, I'm sitting up there crying in a parking lot because he didn't bring my bike up from when I was 12, and I'm like, "Whoa, that's still having an impact on me." And it, it just, that was something I had, uh, an emotional hurdle that I had to go over or pain that I had to go through so that way I can get that su- successful relationship with my father. Did that realization that there were some pa- past traumas or some past underlying issues that, how, how did that come about? Did it just come out the blue? Did you have to think about it? As far as wanting to get the answers, or no, well, that no, want, realizing that the fact that he didn't bring the bike had a severe effect on you. Uh, how did that come about? That realization, because I think most of us don't even realize that we're we're just replaying the tape of our past. Well, I, I realized because it happened totally by accident. Um, mm. 
And I realized through that happened by accident. And it made me, my, my uh, fiance always says, you're so patient with people. You're so like understanding. And it's because I know what it feels like to not be understood. So on the outside, we may see a young guy who's in the streets, who's doing bad things, who's not being able to be there for his kid, who's who's doing stuff that people would consider bad. But what we're not saying inside was his dad wasn't there. His mom didn't give him the attention he needed. He was abused. He was beaten. He didn't. He was forced to take care of himself. And and there's multiple stories in all of us that have that. All we show is the outward result, but not the inner roots that people didn't see got planted in us from when we was growing up. Wow, that's deep. You know, we're often, we can say, oh, I went through this. This is why I'm acting like that. But we can't say, oh, he went through this. This is why he's acting like that. Mm-hmm. So it's safe to say that we should look at everyone like we look at ourselves. Even mm. though we don't know what they went through, we could assume that there was something that they went through or something that that we can help them go through right now. Uh, so that's understanding through relations with your own experiences. Um, when we are coming to conclusions about other people, about relationships, about things, how should we treat our decisions so that they are not solely an impact of our past, that we could see through the fog of our beliefs or our prejudices that we can actually deal with people in an authentic, authentic way where we're, where we're just understanding, you know, how do you, how do you have that? I mean, what's the formula for you? For me, I always come from a pace of trying to understand. And we, we spoke on it earlier. I, um, I, I literally give people a fresh plate to like even when it going back to using the story with my father, I've heard stories from my older sister. I've heard stories from my mother. And it wasn't until I, and mind you, it ultimately created the story that I had for him without judgment or without um, context of those stories. You'll be like, oh, he was a womanizer. Oh, he wasn't a, he wasn't a good dad. Or, but you, what you don't get behind it is I tried to do certain stuff and they made fun of me when I brought, I brought some certain gifts, but that was all I had it to my name. What you don't get is I, I didn't feel, and that I, I felt like another man was taking my place when I came to see, to pick y'all up. So I felt like y'all was better off without me. You, which you, you don't see those things. All you know was you weren't there. So with experiences, and mind you, that's an outside experience. I had multiple inside experience where, um, I'll, I'll give you a personal example. Me and my fiance used to argue or whatever, or go through things like regular relationships. And she would tell her family, and then when I would come around their family, when her family, which were we were cool when we were good terms, but when we were on bad terms, it's like y'all don't even try to hear my side. And I thought we were family. So because I know how it feels on the other side. It's like I got to give people that courtesy to be forgiven because I want to be forgiven or giving them people that courtesy to be understanding because I know how it feels to not be understood or nobody to take the time out to actually ask me why or what happened or what's going on. You don't give me that courtesy. I give the courtesy that I want to be given to sum it up. That's, that's powerful. Now, let's say I'm in your shoes when you were in those shoes. And, you know, you wanted, I wanted to repair my relationship with my dad or my mom or my family or friend. 
what would your message be to me? Like, what would you tell me? You know, like if I'm a little hesitant, you know, I don't. It, if if you're hesitant, I always say don't do it. Because you got to be ready for it to be the good. Again, I say come from a place of um, just appreciating that you have the ability to forgive. So I come from a place of no expectations. If they if they are willing to work on the relationship with like my father, even with my book, people are under or hear the relation or the struggles that me and my um, mother went through. Um, I come from a place of for if my mother never speaks to me, I'm okay. But if my mother does speak, I'm coming from a place of making sure that I'm accepting of whatever is going to happen. And the same thing, what I would tell a person is if you're not ready, at least get those emotions out on paper or written down in an email, something where it's out of you. Just pour it out of you. Then if you're still not ready, don't do nothing. But then you open that letter and you go through it and it's like, all right, let me pick out the good things or let me pick out certain things that don't sound too crazy. And you may decide to mail that to the person, you know where they live, or you may decide to give it to them. And at least it'll be, you're able to express yourself and they'll understand or be able to hear you. Now, what the response be is up to whatever the um, person decides to do with it. But I would say you got to get it out of you and you got to at least pour it out. And honestly, I think everybody, especially if the person or if you can fix it, try, at least try. So that way you can always be at peace with yourself if you if you if you at least know you tried to do something to fix these relationships. And a lot of people don't even try and that person be living. And I'm like, man, you got to repair that relationship. You have to. Because you don't, I want answers. And at least if my dad told me, yo, I didn't want to be in your life because I didn't know if you was my baby or if I didn't, I didn't want, I don't want no more kids by your mom. I would at least been able to have an answer instead of, I wonder why he didn't want to be in my life. Or I wonder, I never want to be wondering. I want to know so that way I can have peace by at least knowing. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, that was a great, great answer to the question. Um, I would say like closure opens up us for new experiences and better relationships when we just have you know a sense of closure on a open open idea of how things are um so that's really powerful to have that conversation even myself sometimes i'm like yo i, I really wish i can communicate this to this person but you know living with my stepmother at like when i was young sometimes i felt like i couldn't i couldn't communicate because it was just so much the mindset was just so still that nothing could penetrate it. Mm. Um, so in those times, it's just about expressing your gratitude, understanding that, hey, you're here, they're here, you're under the same roof, we're alive, and seeing the positive side of every every situation. And, uh, and I want to uh, add to that because I, I feel like I, I'm missing a part too. I always come from a place of peace. And yes, that person did bad things, but the only way you're going to be able to get what you want to get out of them is to leave from a place of love and to leave from a, a place of peace. Of course, they hurt you, so you, it's easier said than done, but put those to the side and look for the good qualities. The fact that you're able to have a relationship or the, 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 the ability to, to call the person or talk to the person, then talk like... It's almost, I always feel like you got to break people or you got to break people down before you build them up or build them up before you break them down. That's the right way. You build them up. You talk about how good they're doing and then they're more receptive of, but I kind of don't want to 
I don't, I kind of don't like this about you, or I don't like this what happened in our relationship, or let's talk about this. My dad has been an open book to me as of lately, these past couple years. When we first started talking, he he barely told me half of the stuff. But I, I can tell I can talk to him about anything. Well, him and my mom went through um every everything, and that's like that in all my relationships because I always come from a place of peace, and I just want to add that on. Yeah, that is that is perfect because without peace, it's just it's just chaos. Mhm. Mhm. They say that. I think Martin Luther King says that is that you can't you can't combat hate with love. I mean, you can't combat hate with hate. You have mm-hmm. to do it with love because you're mm-hmm. just fueling the fire. So the importance of love is so important. Um, and you know, as we are. Heading to the finish line of this podcast, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about your specific routine. Like, what do you do to to take care of yourself, manage your mental health, and direct your life? Like, so how does it look like when you're waking up in the mornings? How does your days look like? Uh, so usually I wake up early because um I like the peaceful stillness of the world being like quiet. Like I feel like the world is quiet. I like that mid range between like four o'clock where everybody's done coming from the club and all that stuff and everybody's going in and the people are just waking up or it's quiet between like four to seven so I usually get up around that time and then it starts off with me getting my to-do list of what I want to do for the day and then once I set that up I'm I'm writing in my journal um talking about what I'm grateful for or what happened the day before or what I want to get accomplished today um and I, I, I read for about 30 minutes to an hour. I try to read about 25 pages of something a day. Um, and then I go through my daily tasks for my morning before 7 o'clock. Um, the things like emails and, you know, little stuff that you can go through before. My, my thing that I'm trying to do is beat my, uh, get as much done as possible before my kid and my girl get up. Um, because then I take them to work or I go with, ride with them for a little bit or be around them, you know, just to have that fatherly, manly presence and making sure she's um, not having trouble with the kids or helping her out. And then I'm from from 8.30-ish. Um, oh, let me start. I meditate. Meditate. Read, I call it my power hour. I read, meditate, and journal. Um, and then um, I start my day with the, whatever the task that I um, set out. And I ended about 3, so I'm literally probably working from like 11, 8.30 to 3. And then after 3, it's family time until about 8. And then... Um, either I'm going to sleep at 11.30 or from 8 to 11.30, I'm still trying to fit some work in between that time. That's that's the power. That's the 4 a.m. power hour. Yep. Power hour club. <laughs> How does, you know, I've been talking about journaling and its importance, and I believe that in the mental health community, we need to start talking about journaling a lot more. Um. How does your journal look like? How's it section so that people could get clarity on what they can put in their journals? I I tried different versions of it. Um, the version I'm on right now is um, I'll write because usually sometimes I don't know what to journal, so I try to either write what happened the day before that I'm grateful or that shocked me or whatever happened the day before, or I usually write down concepts in um in my Google Notes where it's like, oh, you need to talk about this in tomorrow's journal. And um so I write the date, I write whatever I would need to write, just a feeling. Um and then I at the end of the journal I put a mood. So I dated, I put the mood in, in um like today's journal, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, was alignment. 
and I feel like I'm walking in what I'm supposed to be doing because a lot of things are aligning themselves. So I always put a mood at the end of it of how I'm feeling. And um, I know you didn't ask this, but I think it'll be helpful. Um, journaling helps to be able, when you can look back and you can know how you're feeling about certain things. Journaling helped me with my book when I wrote it because I'm like, oh, this is the state I was going through with my mother. Or this is how I was feeling about my father. You know, it helps remember certain instances and moments because once they pass, if this is not something that had a, a crazy impact on your life, you're t- you're, you tend to forget it. But journal helps put a time capsule on certain things. And I tell people, yeah, it's so much fun because I read my journal back at the end of the year of how my year went. And it's like, oh, I forgot all about that. Oh, that was how I was feeling. Or you get to see the growth, the maturity, the emotional impact. It's just so many positive benefits to journaling. You got that right. I mean, <laughs> it's a gift. It's a gift you can live for your children. Mm-hmm. It's a gift you can leave for the world when you when you reach that level of so much impact that they want to do an autobiography mm-hmm. on you. So it's so precious, and it's a gift to your mind. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes we could let go of some of the mental baggages that we have through the ink that we have. You know, we write the paint. Woo. You know, and that allows us to paint a better mental picture and you know see clearly. So uh-huh. journaling is so great. I agree a hundred percent. So, um, I want to ask you one question that I always like to ask people, and is sometimes people are like, "What?" So, if you were to die, like today, mm-hmm. what would you want the world to say about you? He actually cared. Wow, he actually cared. Yeah, it's a lot of people fake caring and like I want people my logo, if anybody sees my logo, it's me helping individuals. I want it to be a, I wanted it to be my logo to be a representation of who I am and what I like to do and I actually I genuinely care about people. I'm I'm thinking so globally, like I'm worried about if the aliens coming down and they're gonna de- destroy the human race. Like I'm so for the positive version of humanity. That um, and I know this is gonna go way left, but I I want I can sit down with a racist or a serial killer because I want to understand that mindset so that we can help other individuals. And I literally, genuinely care and think everybody can be helped because I want to understand people and literally try to get them to that place of peace and happiness. So if I want if I had anything left to be said about Reg, is that he actually cared. That's a powerful powerful answer i had said that my answer would be that he was here um i like that he was here and he cared that's that's next level and it's about having that authenticity once again Mm -hmm. um so reginald what would be one last thing that you would like to say to the audience um in regards to anything about anything, any message, empowerment that you would like to share? I'll leave it with the same thing I say to uh, kids and the people at the colleges. And because we're talking, we, we started off talking about mental health. Um, you shouldn't feel alone in a room full of people. And the reason why I preach that message so much is because the reason why we all feel alone in a room full of people is because we're all not sharing how we're actually feeling or we're not being honest or like you have you've been preaching is you're not being your authentic self 
and because you're not being your authentic self you're feeling alone and i i, I would want people to feel more pressured or or just being able to show them truth true show their true selves because i feel like i promise you people will be happier in their best self when they can show how they're truly feeling and realize that they're not alone we all feel the same things we are human we all have blood we have it in our body and we all feel the same feelings but we feel alone because we don't share them and my thing is please people share your feelings because it's so it's so good it's so rewarding it's so like you you feel so much better when you share your feelings and you get to release all of those things you feel inside of yourself. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing this whole 59 minutes worth <laughs> of conversation. Uh very empowering, you know. Just your experiences alone is enough to to help somebody else. And I would like to say the last part I ask is plug yourself in. What is it that you have going on right now that you would like anybody listening right now to to learn more about. Um right now I just dropped on my birthday. My birthday was uh May 27th. I don't know when this comes out. Um but I just dropped on my birthday my new uh shirt and the shirt is is called the We All Help Heal shirt. And I wanted to put that message out of We All Help Heal because I I noticed within the mental health community it was a discrepancy between and it was last year um between the individuals who went to school, who got their doctorate, who went to the, the years of studies um, and became mental health professionals, they were feeling like the people who were advocates or the people who didn't go through school, but they had the experience, they felt like they weren't worthy enough. And vice versa, the the advocates would feel like, oh, the professionals are too rigid and they're, they're, they only going by the textbook. They, they, they don't know what it feels like. They're just speaking off of what they read. And I'm like, it's, it shouldn't be like that. We all help him. God, from God to teachers, to, prof- to pre- professors, uh, coaches, life coaches, uh, you, you know, anybody that is contributing to a person's happiness and peace, you're a healer. And people need to realize that as long as the person is getting to their authentic self, their best self, they're, they're just going into whatever makes them happy. We're go- it, it shouldn't be matter who is doing the healing as long as the individual is able to prosper at the end of it. So I have my t-shirt, We, we All Help Hill, out now on ReginaldAHoward.com. And there you can also find my, my book, my podcast, and Reginald A. Howard. If you just type that in, everything will come up. My social media is all Reginald A. Howard. So um, that's all I got going on right now. That's powerful because I was thinking the same thing when deciding to get into the mental health space. Um, and I was like, wait, should I go to school for mm-hmm. to be a, a therapist now? I was like, but I do so much studying on my own and I have these mm-hmm. experiences. So powerful movement, well needed. I got to check that out for sure. Um, and what's your social media? Everything is Reginald D. Howard, right? Reginald A. R-E-G-I-N-L-A. R-E-G-I-N-A-L-D, the letter A-H-O-W-A-R-D, Reginald A. Howard. Okay, got it. Well, thank you so much, Reginald, for having this conversation with me. This was really, really useful to me as well as anybody else listening. I'm sure it would empower and give you some sort of uh, knowledge or 
empowerment to do to act on what you already know. Um, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to the Ed Talks Personal Growth and Motivation Podcast, where we feature not only people in the journey of achieving a goal, achieving a dream, but people who are helping people in their journey of trying to achieve authentic happiness in life. My name is Edouard Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share this with anyone that you know may find this useful or if you think it's useful to them. With that being said, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for having me. I want to remind you that you have unlimited power within you to achieve whatever it is that you want and to construct the person you want to be. But first, you must believe it in order to achieve it. And until that happens, the world will forever miss your talents, your gifts, and all the great things that you have to offer. So let your light shine, don't hide it, don't dim it. Thank you. Find Ed Talks Daily on your favorite podcast app and be sure to leave your thoughts in the form of review. Until next time, remain in your unlimited power.